The DeFalco Files is an entertainment-based program. Some memories of certain events might be fuzzy. All opinions are that of the host. Content might not be appropriate for children and some adults. Listener discretion is advised. And remember, the truth is here. Vegas Bad Boys of Podcasting presents The DeFalco Files with FSW owner Joe DeFalco and your host, Matt Michaels. Hey everybody, it's Matt Michaels here on the DeFalco Files with the owner and creator of FSW, Future Stars of Wrestling here in Las Vegas, Mr. Joe DeFalco. And Joe, today we have a special guest with us, the guy who's going to be taking on Hammerstone for the FSW Heavyweight Championship this coming Saturday at No Escape, Mr. Brian Cage. Brian, how are you doing? I'm doing all right, man. As you can see, my gym. I mean, come on. What another wrestler will be at the gym doing a podcast. So you can answer. The same wrestlers to be at the gym, period, these days. So that's not many besides myself and Hammerstone. So it's fitting that we're going to be going one-on-one for the title. This Saturday. Joe, um, do you remember your first time seeing Brian? Yeah, he actually had uh, the first match he had was the 2009 FSW match of the year. The Silver Nugget, he wrestled Brandon Gatson and immediately were like, wow, this Gatson guy is really able to carry this Brian Cage guy. <laughs> uh, Brian, yeah, what what brought you? The Hold on, let me retort yeah. that one. How many more matches of the year did I have, huh? Whereas Gatson, nah, uh, and I'm not trying to crap on Gatson. He's good. He's my guy, but Gatson, Gatson's gonna carry me. Come on, let's, let's, let's get let's get rid of it. Anyways, anyways, what was the question? What are you gonna ask? Well, what were your memories of that that match with Gatson? Do you do you remember? Uh... That, that was actually yeah, my first time meeting Gatson too. You know, we both were in SoCal. Wow. And uh, yeah, no, he was great. It was. It was an awesome match. Definitely a great uh, debut. And our our follow-up match was good, too, but it wasn't as good as the first one. What, what brought you out this way? Do you remember who got you uh, introduced to FSW, Brian? Um, you know what? I do not. I, just, I remember talking to somebody once I got uh, released from developmental in WWE. And I remember somebody was talking on Facebook. I was barely even on Facebook, too. Um. And I remember just seeing what sold me. I seen an indie company with like a sweet stage. I was like, whoa, they got a legit stage and lighting? This is the real deal. I, that was pretty much the main reason I wanted to go up there. And then whoever it was, I don't remember, he spoke highly of it. And then, yeah, I tried to get out there and luckily enough, had an awesome first match. Joe, what, uh, what was your next steps with Brian in terms of trying to keep him around and getting him involved more with FSW? Well, initially it was a little difficult because Brian would drive in from Fresno and thankfully Allegiant Airlines became a thing and they flew out of Fresno and he's like, bro, you know, this is way too far, blah, blah, blah. So we didn't use him that often. And with the FSW fans, it takes a little while. They want to believe that you're going to be a regular guy. And because of the flights, we were able to get him in way more. I remember at Samstown, there was a delay on the flight. I think he showed up five minutes before his match with Funny Bone. You know, it wasn't always two sailing. I had two matches that night, too. I had two yeah. 
Yes. And he wrestled uh, Bunny Bone, and then in the Elite Championship, it was him and uh, Kenny King is the final team. Is it, Brian, what what was that like for you having to jump off of an airplane, get there, and wrestle? You know, a couple matches. Um, was it for you dedication and showing that, hey man, I make my dates and I'm I'm there for you? Well, I mean, that wasn't the only time that happened at FSW. It's not the only time it's happened. Period in wrestling, but uh, uh, but yeah, definitely. I mean, at the end of the day, real talk. I, I love this, right? I'm trying to AEW, and I don't have to do any independent promotions, right? But I choose to because I love wrestling. I love what I do, and I want to be able to do it as much as I can. So, absolutely, I don't want to. I don't want the guy that flakes or doesn't make a show or whatever. If there's a will, then there's a way. So, especially when I have a fun, cool match on top of that. So, I was glad I was able to make it and then bang them out. And Joe, um, what started your pro- thought process in going, hey, I think we might want to put the strap on uh, Brian? Well, as he became more regular in there, you saw he was so talented in the matches that he had. You know, if you look at it, uh, his match with Sammy Callahan and Keith Lee at When Stars Collide, it was Ring of Honor weekend. And I remember all the fans you know, we're talking about that weekend and they weren't talking about the young bucks match. Uh, they were talking about that match as the best match of the weekend. And I remember even on Twitter, uh, the young bucks responded, Oh, highly unlikely. I remember they said something like that. And it was like, but Brian had his match, the TLC with match with Matt Hardy. It to this day is still one of the biggest shows we've ever had in FSW history. So Brian's been part of like three match of the years. And what I always liked about Brian was when he put the match together, you know, he made sure everybody got a chance to shine. You know, we did it when we did our shows in Phoenix with the IWF. He had a chance to work Drew McIntyre and a lot of great talent there. And, you know, same thing in, in Vegas. You know, nobody knew who Keith Lee was. I actually went to Brian when we were putting together the Mecca shows. I'm like, bro, who are some guys? And, you know, I want to bring in some fresh talent for the Mecca stuff. And the first guy he recommended was Keith Lee. And when uh, Sammy Callahan needed an opponent, we made it a three-way. And it was just fantastic. So, you know, from day one, anytime you had a Brian Cage match, we knew it was going to be probably the best match on the show. You know, he did some stuff with the Reno Scum. You know, he actually teamed up with uh, w- with them to defend the titles one night. Like, no matter where you put him, it was always going to be ground. And Brian, for you, in terms of building your reputation like that amongst the guys to be able to, you know, get the you know some of your friends who you met through the business into matches here in Vegas or elsewhere. What did that mean to you? Because you're so passionate about wrestling. Did you look at this as an opportunity to work with friends and to just get exposure for the guys at that time? Oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, I, I get along with plenty of the guys, but even then, like for people I've worked with, I've seen that are great. They just needed a breakout moment. Like that was, you can keep leaving. That's like when you start a breakout. I just want to get him, get him work, right? Like, oh, we were cool, but he might not like the guy. 
I couldn't deny his talent and his ability, much like anybody else. At the end of the day, if it's going to bring forth a great match, then I, then I want them to be in the match. I want to give them the opportunity. I'm not somebody trying to, like, be on top of the pedestal, push everybody off. I want to be up on the pedestal, pulling everybody up with me so we can all shine, just like Joe said. I make sure everyone shines because I know I'm Mr. Get My Shit In. But really, the best way for me to get my shit in is to make sure everybody gets the shit in so we freaking own the spotlight and have the match of the night and steal the show. And that's always my goal. And I think that's really what's everyone's goal when you're wrestling when you're on shows. You want to have you know, the breakup moment and be like, yeah, that match was the best. So it was great. And as Joe said, too, being able to work with all these people and in that match with Reno Scum, if you remember, Joe, that was because Lester couldn't make it. And I offered the team with Adam, and then I worked cross that night to defend the singles title. And I didn't even charge him up for the second match. You know, I'm a good guy. I'm a good guy. That's that. That's what. That's what I love about Brian. He'll tell you, hey, who's one of your favorite promoters? He goes, my favorite promoter that always underpaid me is Joe. <laughs> this is pretty much true. Well, Brian, who is there a match that stands out for you as one of your favorite matches here? Was that Hardy match maybe one of your favorites to do here? Um, the, the two he mentioned in Vegas, the Matt Hardy TLC match and the triple threat with Sammy and Keith Lee probably are my two favorite. Um, and it's also, I feel like the, the hottest crowds uh, and the hottest crowd reaction I think uh, I've ever seen too at FSW shows. So those are definitely two standouts for sure. But there's been a plethora of good matches there. You know, sometimes I'll see my line, I kind of forget about. Um, and then, yeah, those, I didn't say we'll talk about Vegas, but the, the Phoenix shows, yeah, that we did too. We said that, that, that tournament we did in Phoenix and, uh, and even the early on, I think that stuff was a lot of fun. I'll tell you what, the, the one I'm most proud of with Brian was uh, he had an issue where we were doing the Mecca Grand Championship and Brian and John Morrison were two of the uh, the three guys, and Chris Bay kind of got added late. And I've never seen two guys of Brian and John Morrison's stature. They went out of their way to make Chris Bay look like the biggest star that you've ever seen in Vegas. And that's all credit to them for allowing them to go out there. You know, Chris Bay has a YouTube thing with John Morrison when he was like seven years old. So that was like a dream come true for him to be in the ring with John. And with Brian in there, you know, the Vegas fans love Chris Bay. And, and at that moment, they really solidified him as, along with Cross, as, you know, the two Vegas legends that have come through the door. Yeah, I probably agree with that. Cross and Chris Bay are probably two, two biggest uh, and best, like, homegrown talents from you. And Brian, what does the uh, fan base mean to you for, like Joe said, and you said kind of the fan uh, pop was huge, uh, you know, at that Mecca match. What for you defines uh, the FSW fandom? Well, you know, I've definitely seen it grow. Like from when I when I first came out, just because they had a sweet stage set up, to now it's definitely grown. Um, I think too, just because Joe's done a great job. I don't know, building his own local talent and a consistent local show in school, but also he's brought a lot of talent in and he's trying to make it like a little super indie, you know, like a la PWG or whatever. And I think that's definitely brought in 
a lot more of the super fans, smart fans, as well as the casual guys or people just in Vegas that want to watch something entertaining. So it's definitely, it's definitely growing a whole heck of a lot, and I hope uh, we can add Hammerstone Knight to the, to the top matches of uh, Cage FSW this weekend. Yeah, you know, you're going to be wrestling on No Escape, which is four cage matches on that show, but you and Hammerstone are going... Technically five. Well, let's let's say, you know, in wrestling, Alex, what is it about a guy who has kind of the same abilities in terms of the strength and matches you kind of size-wise that you look at when you're looking at how you're going to approach the match. What is it going to be like for you to be in the ring with him? Well, uh, this is a, my Hammerstone's uh, first barbecue. We've worked at FSW before in a couple of places. And you know what? It's, it's, always, it's always an honor to work Hammerstone, too, because I know he's excited to work with me. And he'll be the first one to tell you, too, that I was a uh, low-key kind of someone he looked up to, like as far as oh, I want to get – you know, to his level in the ring. I'm going to get to his level of, of, of physique and shape. And, I mean, I'll be damned. He's done a hell of a job at it year after year. And I, I, I'm i thrilled to work with bigger guys because it's a different versatility aspect. Because most guys are smaller than me, and I enjoy that as much. I like being able to have the ability to work with anyone and everyone. When I get to work with somebody else closer to my stature and my strength, it obviously – makes me build out different stuff in my repertoire that I don't normally get to use. And then on top of that, Hammerstone is just about equally as athletic of a big muscular guy as me as well. So it always makes for uh, for definitely a standout match from the rest of the card. And uh, I don't expect to be any different this time. And I'm looking forward to it. Joe, what do you expect when you book a match like this from two guys that are not only great wrestlers, great condition – but also are two guys who are huge with the fans. What do you expect going into this in terms of what you're going to see in the ring? Well, as Brian said, you know, those guys have kind of uh, wrestled a couple of times uh, in the Mecca Grand Tournament. Uh, Cage uh, beat Hammerstone. They also had a match in uh, FSW when Hammer was uh, a lot younger. So for us, this is the first time in in a few years you know that brian's gonna wrestle hammerstone and hammerstone has become a guy with potential to now a guy being the guy so you know for him i'm, I'm pretty sure it's gonna be a big deal because when brian was the champion you know he was one of the first as we've talked about the legacy of fsw champions you know, uh, after Matt Hardy and then Brian Cage and then Cross and then uh, Sean Ricker and Chris Bay and Hammerstone, the legacy of whoever became FSW heavyweight champion ended up really going on to bigger and better things. And, you know, Hammer has is, is, is gotten some great accolades. He's now the MLW champion. And... I think he's looking forward because now I think for the first time, Hammerstone looks at Brian Cage as an equal instead of a guy he looked up to. And I'm hoping one day to be as good as him. And I think Hammerstone feels that he is as good as him. 
Brian, what happens if you win that championship on Saturday night? Do you uh, take it back to L.A. and, uh, you know, tout it around town as uh, you own Vegas now? I'd probably just sell it on eBay. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> you know, the, uh, going with what Joe said, though, first, I will agree. I won't put Hammer over. And the fact that all of our previous matches, um, I, I think he's definitely – has improved and he's definitely in his prime now and in every sense of the word and every aspect of the game. Whereas I feel like I've been in my prime. So if anything, uh, I feel like he's, he's definitely caught up to me more uh, in the ring skills and the strength department and the body, department, all, the, and all that stuff. So I definitely uh, have a, a bigger, better, better hammerstone than what I'm uh, previously experienced to. Um, but yeah, if I, if I walk away with the title two time FSW too, well, I guess that means Joe has to book me again next month. So, uh oh, <laughs> we got to go into the deep pockets. <laughs> um, Joe, what is your favorite Brian Cage uh, memory or story? Uh, well, the one at Samstown, where we're like, man, we have this tournament, and he, he when's he going to show up? Is he going to be there? But it's more of like the conversations of trying to get him out here. You know, I remember, uh, you know, the very first time, I remember he hit me up. And then because he hit me up, he was tag teaming with Sean Ricker in Hollywood. And after Brian was here a few times, Sean Ricker hit me up. And because of Brian... And there was a few guys, Brian Cage, the Reno scum. They're the ones who, especially in California, really spread the word of what a good promotion we were. So everybody heard good things, and a lot of people really started hitting us up after the success those guys had because they like coming out here. They like coming to Vegas. I try to treat people as well as I could, even though I may not have been able to afford you know, full pricing on everybody, but I always let them know. And I was upfront and honest. And when we decided to start doing some stuff in Arizona, you know, Brian was the handpicked guy, you know, he's the longest reigning IWF champion in history. Right, right. You know, and we brought him out to Phoenix and, you know, we had some great shows out there, the IWF, we did three of them. And in the last one, Brian actually beat uh, Drew McIntyre in a, in a four-way where we went elimination style. I still remember uh, Drew slapping uh, Stu Stone's glasses off his head. The glasses went like 100 feet away, and Stu came up to me. He broke my glasses. He broke my glasses. And I think they were like $500 glasses for Stu. Well... You know, Brian, when you think of those types of memories, um, do you have a favorite story about Joe or, uh, you know, a favorite quirk or, or anything that sticks out to you about Joe DeFalco? Okay, yeah, I'm just going to just laundry list it right here. So as you said, uh, definitely a quote from mine that is my favorite, uh, albeit like lower paid promoter, but he's a great guy. I get along great with Joe, his son, his wife. I've seen their house before. I've raided their, uh, their cabinet and freezer of, uh, of sweets and treats. Um, Joe used to also, uh, we just talked about that last night, Joe, a part of the deal. He used to always take me to Pelican House when I when I got in too, which was a huge bless. Huge, huge bless. Um, speaking of food, after the IWF show, we remember we all went to Cracker Barrel. 
Yeah, Cracker Barrel. And we have that big cheat. And I order all that food. And Ricochet and stuff, everyone's like, you can't eat all that. And I demolish it before anybody finished anything. Oh, so memory. Oh, and Stusone. You remember that fan attacked him? Like the fan pulled. Yeah, yeah, he was uh, Shannon the Cannon. He was like the MMA guy. Yeah, you gotta drag him out of the ring. That's right. I forgot about that. That's good times. It's been a lot of good times. Yeah, we we had a nice drive. Uh, Tyson Tyler, who helped run the show, somehow treated the other guys better. And I remember we did a show in Vegas, and Brian Ricochet and uh, Rich Swan, we all drove in the car. Uh, from Vegas to Phoenix. And remember, he had us out. Uh, Shelton Benjamin and all the other guys got the good hotel, and we got the little shithole. Yeah, especially for freaking the previous show, we had the amazing hotel. Yeah. And then we got this this crappy, crappy run-of-the-mill, like, oh, awful one. So, so me, Brian, and my kid had to share the room. So Brian, of course, got the bed. And me and my kid had to sleep in the same bed because he couldn't even get us a regular room. <laughs> and I was running the show for him. He was, he was trying to take your spot of being uh, the, the, the cheapest promoter. Look at him. Yeah, I'm telling you. <laughs> well, Brian, uh, we're going we're gonna to kind of wrap you up here so that we don't keep you too long. But uh, when you think about uh, this coming Saturday and you think about being in front of the fans in vegas again um since this will be your pretty much your first trip back since the pandemic uh, shut everything down out here um and you obviously haven't been able to perform in front of a live crowd what are you looking forward to in terms of that first uh walk through of the curtain and and just getting that response being back in town well you know ever since the pandemic it's been great every time i've worked any independent show when it's a return to a federation, a return to a you know a, a city, because you kind of just have that that nostalgic like oh, it's it's good to be back kind of feeling, and good to be back in the sense too that like you know things are a bit normal, more normal than they were. So that's always a great reaction. But then again, to have somebody equally as great across the region for me, Hammerstone, who's also a friend of mine as well, it really makes me look forward to it. And I would have taken just any show this day and age uh, after a holiday. Normally I wouldn't have cared before, but like now, like, yeah, I'll take some time off. But uh, with this one, coming more hyped, I'm definitely willing to take it. So I'm looking forward to it, and uh, it should be, a, should be a good time. So I step off the curtain, and a little Terminator clap. It'll be good days. It'll be good days. Joe, any final thoughts uh, for Brian uh, before we let him go? Well, you know, it's been a long time coming. You know, we've always still kind of kept in touch. How's it going? What's going on? You know, just trying to make things work. And, and we hope this is the start of, uh, you know, semi-regular status again for Brian. You know, he lives in Vegas now. And we're still trying to get him over to the training facility and, you know, smack around some of the green kids who don't uh, understand the business very well. But, you know, just him being here, you know, you know, it's great to have him back, you know, him and Hammerstone. We're trying to build, you know, bigger and bigger shows. You know, we got the Mecca coming up in February, and we got some huge names coming in. And when he was booked elsewhere with, like, Lucha Underground and stuff, Brian was one of our mainstays. So we're definitely looking forward 
you know, to have him. He's already, you know, I have to hit him up because I know he's going to have numerous guys that he'd love to work. So he's he's going to message me and say, hey, you know who I'd love to work? And then we got to see if we can get it done. Hey, but tell me this, Joe. Have I ever recommended anybody who was good? Uh, you have not. That's why, like I said, Keith Lee, you know, when we brought in Sammy, all those guys, man, uh, you know, Brian, Brian knows his shit. You know, he could be a talent relations guy down the line once the career's over. That's, that's what I'm talking about. FS, FSW, VP of talent you know. relations. <laughs> well, uh, final question for you, Brian. Um, how is uh, your lovely wife, Melissa, doing? Uh, she's doing great. She's doing great. You know, speaking of what she's great, she wouldn't like this, but I don't know how we missed this one, Joe. Another good Joe memory. Joe actually helped the reception for my very first wedding to my ex-wife in his, uh, in his ring. He likes to bring that up all the time as well. Yeah, I, I can tell you the date maybe more than him because it was on my wife's birthday, birthday June 14th. Yeah. Yep. This is correct. This is correct. Yes. I he had some about- Hawaiian food, and I remember the uh, the cakes that you had. That's right. That's right. Yeah, it was all great. It was all great. But uh, enough of that. I don't need any more house seat. But uh, Melissa's doing great. She's doing fantastic. Maybe uh, maybe she'll be on my list of, of recommendations for Joe to bring in for future shows. You never know. You know, we need an announcer for the Mecca. You know, we might work the, the Brian Cage package deal. There it is. Well, you know, I pay him the same rate you know, either way, but I have to use it. <laughs> well, there you have it, everyone. Uh, Brian Cage, uh, current AEW superstar man, uh, continue the great work there. But we're excited to see you here in Vegas uh, this Saturday for No Escape, uh, where you take on Hammerstone for the FSW Heavyweight Championship. And thank you for taking the time and uh, still being able to get your workout in as well. That is inspirational, brother. And uh, I can't can't wait to see you on on Saturday, man. Awesome. Thanks, guys. No problem. All right. See you Saturday, Saturday, Brian. Take care, guys. Happy Thanksgiving. You too. Happy Thanksgiving, brother. Uh, There we go. We had uh, Mr. Brian Cage on for everyone. And again... It's going to be this Saturday, No Escape. And Joe, let's talk about a little uh, about No Escape and what you're expecting to see. Um, let's start with that cage match for the uh, contender, uh, number one contendership for the um, No Limits Championship. You got Jay Vidal. You got Danny Limelight. Um, you've got Thomas Day. You've, you know... Uh, Refresh my memory. Who else is in that uh, match? And well, we have a former No Limits champion, Brandon Gatson, who Gatson. has had an amazing transformation over the last year or so. He always had a lot of back issues and things like that, and he has gotten himself in you know some of the best shape of his life. You know, it first started actually a couple of years ago. He happened to be in town. He wanted to come check out a show. I'm like, hey, you want to work a match? I had him work Chris Bay, and they had a killer match. And I'm like, wow, Gadsden's still got the abilities. And since then, he has just gotten better and better and better. So having him in the match, then we got a youngster by the name of Midas Creed, who's wrestled a couple times, a very impressive young guy yeah. who, you know, looking to take off as well as Jordan Cruz, who's had a lot of accolades uh, through the West Coast. 
Uh, unfortunately, one of my favorite guys who I think for that match would have been fantastic, Eli Everfly, got injured. So, you know, right now, uh, unfortunately, he's not able to make no escape or limitless that, you know. Yeah. Again, you wa- if you watch and listen here, you know, it's all good. I'll let you know. You know, we just got Trey Miguel signed. So, uh, along with Davey Richards and Jay Vidal and Matt Vandergriff and Damian Drake and Adrian Quest, you know, just to name a few. So, uh, you know, we're looking forward to it. Yeah, and um, I know Trey's excited. I saw him last night uh, at the Impact tapings, and um, it it just sounds like Limitless is just going to be off the chain, uh, you know, crazy talent, um, and that's going to be coming up uh, in December. Uh, with, you know, having the four cage matches at No Escape this weekend, um you know, it all has to be just a little different, of course, so that, you know, not every match feels the same. And one of the, I guess, blood feuds at this point uh, is going to be Remy and uh, Class going for the Nevada State Championship. And I say blood f- feud because Remy was beat down and uh, pretty much almost unconscious when Class cashed in for the championship. Is that something you're excited to see, uh, how Remy approaches this type of match with a guy like Class, who is definitely just really starting to gain um, such, not only good experience, but he's becoming such a presence and and such a great talent. Uh, What do you see when you look at that card, or that match on this card, on paper, and do you think that you know Remy does have something to uh, prove? Because um, you know the fans are going to be a hundred percent behind him because they just hate class with all their passion. Well, you know, obviously, class is now the Nevada State champion. You know, he really didn't earn the victory, but he earned the case. You know, so he got that opportunity. And after the Suavecitos, you know, beat down Remy, you know, he was right for the pickings. So now there's nowhere to run, nowhere to hide. Now let's see, the, you know, we, we've seen the improvement of class, but now is he world-class enough to beat, you know, the most decorated champion in FSW history? You know, the guy's been the Nevada State champion. He's been the... Very short, but he still was the heavyweight champion. Right. You know, he was tag team champion. And he was an elite champion when we had that belt. You know what I mean? So it's like, and he was the first ever No Limits champion. And he held that twice. And, you know, now he's looking to get the Nevada State for the second time. So, you know, this is a big moment for class. You know, we've seen the rise uh, pretty quickly. Uh you know, we've also seen him wrestle guys like Graves and a few others that, uh, you know, he didn't he didn't come out successfully. So he's improving every single match. So, you know, a true victory over Remy Marcel uh, really puts him at top of the line. And, you know, if he beats Remy, you know, I see him as a top contender for the heavyweight title. Right. And uh, speaking of the heavyweight title, obviously we got Cage and Hammerstone 
uh, going, and we you know talked a little bit about that. Um, but we also have a tag team title match that is a three-way. You've got Shogun and uh, Hero uh, and Toka Uso and, of course, Death Proof defending those titles. Man, when you look at the possibility of um, the ring breaking before the cage matches go on, is this the match that the big boys are going to be coming out to play? And then you also have Hammerstone and Cage, you know, amongst the big boys. Uh, you know, it, is it exciting for you that you you have the uh, like the the no limit type of um, wrestlers on the show, which is you know definitely going to be something else. But I know you're an old school guy like me who likes to see the big hosses just beat the hell out of each other. Well, you know, you got uh, Cody and Jake. You know, they they've been together in the following. Jake, on his own, was a No Limits champion. Cody was a No Limits champion. Uh, Cody was also a tag champ in the following. And Jake was also, you know, they wrestled a few times together in matches. And, you know, they're the big guns. You know, they've beaten, you know, the best FSW has had to offer. Uh, they haven't beat Toko Uso yet. And Toko Uso, you know, you, those are two big boys. As I stated a couple weeks ago, that's going to be the opening match on the show, so I really hope the ring doesn't break because it'd be a long night. You know what I'm saying? And, you know, Hero and Shogun have recently really gotten opportunities to do things, and that might be because of uh, Ice Williams and the faction. But they've had a lot of continuity. Uh, they've become big fan favorites. You know, they're big boys too and got all the talent in the world. So on one hand, you got the experienced vets. They've been there. They've done that. Then you got the new blood, I guess you could say, with Shogun and Hero. And then you got Toko Uso with MK, the outside guys, you know, Toa getting a lot of love, AEW. You know, he, you know, was presented in a very bright light as the, he teamed up with somebody else against FTR. And then you got Juicy. You know, Juicy has only got a couple of years in also. Mm -hmm. And those guys are very young, but they've made a splash in the wrestling business. So to me, I believe it's a great way to kick things off. You know, there's five title matches. There's four steel cage matches. There's returns. You know, Danny Limelight's back. Tom Lawler and Graves. Yeah. You know, splitting it up. You know, KO or submission only. You know, who's the toughest guy in FSW? You know, many people feel Graves is the toughest guy. Well, Lawler's not really been a mainstay in FSW despite living out here. So, you know, Graves is out here enough. So it's who's the toughest guy in Vegas. Yeah. You know, a lot of MMA fighters. But you know what? If I had Graves and Lawler, you know, I'd have a hard time thinking there's somebody that's going to whoop their ass. Yeah. I, I wouldn't you want know? I wouldn't want to run into them, uh, you know, on a dark alley uh, alone at uh, one o'clock in the morning. Um, let me ask you, uh, you know, you mentioned the faction, Ice Williams, Chris Bay. If Chris is able to beat Ice and become the No Limits champion, that's a belt he never held, correct? Yes, he did. He, he did. held it for two minutes. 
Okay, what's what's the story on that one? The two minute okay. title. Hey, Chris Bay. Uh, we had a ladder match, I believe, and Chris Bay won the championship. And as he was celebrating, the cash in the case winner from that year was Nick Bugatti. And Nick Bugatti, as the crowd was roaring in excitement, the young stud, everybody was excited. Chris Bay has finally reached the promised land, winning his first championship. And then Nick Bugatti beat him down. And two minutes later, Nick Bugatti was the uh, No Limits champion. So Chris Bay is looking to redeem himself. And, you know, since he is the shortest, not only No Limits, but he's the shortest reigning champion in FSW history. So he's hoping that, you know, he can get a second opportunity to parade that belt around. And, uh, you know, Ice was uh, at Impact yesterday, um, you know, promoting the show. Uh, and I'll tell you, just Ice standing at a table holding a poster, fans hate him. <laughs> they hate him. So it's going to be interesting. You know, it, was, it, it was the number was apropos. He told me the other day when I saw him that he has now been champion for 666 days. <laughs> Well, and we'll see if that's his uh, lucky number or unlucky number uh, come this Saturday. Um, and that's going to be the main event. But before that, man, we're looking at the probably the most anticipated match between Matt Vandegrift and Damian Drake. Not only a cage match, but a weapons cage match. Boy, I tell you, uh, man, I'm I'm nervous to see what these two are going to do to each other because... Uh, you talk about Damien has stated, and we were uh, putting out uh, three different parts here in the next couple days of an interview with Damien Drake. So you guys want to check that out? Uh, look up the Vegas Bad Boys uh, on any podcast uh, platform. But um, Damien just feels like he's never gotten an answer from Matt, um, and Matt has uh, seemed to be able to avoid answering anything because. Every time he gets in the ring with Damien uh, to, you know, say, you know, give Damien an answer, it ends up in fisticuffs. Well, I'll tell you what I heard. Okay. I heard he did it for the spider. Just saying. That's what I heard. <laughs> you know, whether that's true or not, I cannot confirm or deny. <laughs> but I heard rumor Tommy Deuce Spider kind of uh, paid off Matt Vandergrift because... You know, there's still a sour taste in Spider's mouth over how, uh, you know, basically what Matt Vandergriff did to Damian Drake, Damian Drake did to Spider. So, you know, it's good for the goose, as they like to say. <laughs> um, and, you know, hey, man, we, we all know that Spider's got connections. So Yeah. And there's one other match that we recently announced. The women's title Yes, is on the Sandra Moon, fresh off her... Uh, first national appearance, got to wrestle on uh, Impact that you'll be seeing on TV in a few weeks. Uh, she is going up against, you know, a, a lady who is the PCW Women's Champion, as well as uh, numerous all over uh, California. She's trying to add uh, a championship in, in Nevada for the first time as Viva Van, who has been very successful since we've seen her 
at the women's show in uh, August SummerSlam weekend. Uh, she's had some impressive victories. So she's getting an opportunity uh, to wrestle Sandra Moon. Yeah, and it's great that Sandra is uh, defending the title against Viva uh, because she's come a long way and is looking great. Uh, like you said, had a lot of opportunities recently. But you, you did mention uh, Sandra did get a, a match at Impact, uh, which will be airing uh, within the next uh, about six weeks or so at some point. Uh, but uh, she wrestled um, uh, Moska Slamovich, who is another person who is making waves out on the East Coast. So Sandra's getting a lot of uh, nice opportunities. Do you feel that... Uh, being a homegrown talent from when she was a kid, literally, um, that you couldn't be any prouder of someone who's worked their way from that kid's class to where she is now? Well, you know, just take a look. The, You know, we talk about the FSW, the legacy of the heavyweight champions. Well, Lacey Ryan kind of started now the women's thing. You know, she got signed. Maz took over. You know, she was all over Ring of Honor, scheduled to make more appearances there. Sandra Moon is now the champ. You know, so, you know, we're three for three. You know, before that was Taya. Yeah. You know, and obviously she was more established. But our first women's champion was Heather Monroe. And if you look at Heather Monroe, you see her all over the place also. So, you know, whether you talk about a knack for talent that I have, we haven't had many duds, you know, in those positions. You yeah. know, there's always been a couple of, you know, shit stains on the board, but, you know, it happens to everybody. But our champions have been very successful, you know, after the fact, you know. So, you know, there's no denying what FSW's brought to the table. So... If somebody's looking for some great talent, whether it's MLW, whether it's AEW, whether it's AAA, whether it's New Japan, you know, you don't have to go far. You know, you, you can pluck some great, great talent, you know, right here in Las Vegas. And like I said, California is 10 times the size of, Be of, of Nevada and mainly Vegas. And I, I would say there's more talent in las vegas from fsw than there is in california and you know i couldn't tell you exactly why it is i'm not going to go out here and say well you know it's because fsw well no there, there's a lot of there's a lot of factors whether there's good training but i think the main reason is when like a 14 year old kid like Bodie, who have people have high hopes for as being a true superstar down the line, the guys Bodie gets to work with every day will yeah. make him so much better. You know, there might be a couple of guys in every wrestling school that's pretty good, but we have a roster full of guys that are very, very good. Yeah. You know, and I and I'll and I'll give some props. I saw, you know, the Booker T show last weekend and they had a lot of talented guys. But I don't know if there's 10 or 15 more, because if there's not, well, we do. Right. We have 10 or 15 more than what you're going to see, you know, when you're talking about the younger talent. 
Then there's that mid-level talent that kind of just got over the hump, the sky highs of the world, that they got a little more time in. And then you got the top of the heap, and that's, you know, the Damian Drakes and the Jay Vidal's and the Matt Vandegrifts. And, you know, we may not have trained them, but Toko Uso. You know, it's kind of like when we had uh, Sean Ricker, Eli Drake, L.A. Knight, and Brian Cage, all four of them, when we had all four of those guys. You know, it was guilty by association. They were kind of FSW guys. Yeah. Now, not when trained with us, but we were utilizing them in big positions before they became not even a household name, you know, top indie names, yeah. you know. And those guys became big indie stars. And then, you know, both of them and even Cross, they all became big impact stars. And, you know, even Brian and, you know, worked AAA. You know, that was one funny story that uh, I never got to talk about. Uh, we had a show and I was DJing at Olympic Gardens. And it was like a triple mania. I think it was uh, Brian Cage was doing a hair match. And I think it might have been against Del Rio, okay? And Brian had an early, early morning flight. So we did the show at the Silverton. He might have actually wrestled Bryce Harrison that night. But I'm not positive. So it was probably about quarter to six. My shift ended about 6 a.m. And Brian's calling me up. He's like, where's this motherfucker? He's supposed to give me a ride. I called him up. He was a fucking sleep. I'm going to miss my flight to Mexico. Okay. I'm like, what the fuck? And basically the entire journey of him being in the car, which was a van to get to the airport. Now the motherfucker missed the flight. This is the flight for triple mania. And he's going crazy. And it's all because the guy who was supposed to drive him fell asleep and wasn't able to get him in time. So now Brian has to book a flight. And now the flight's like over $1,000 for him to get there in time for the show. Needless to say, the other guy comes back and gives Brian the money for the flight because he fucked up. Wow. Brian gets there in time, and then they cancel Triple Mania for two days, and they didn't run it till Tuesday. <laughs> so in reality, that's the greatest Brian Cage story I got. <laughs> oh, shit. Oh, my God. That is... <laughs> and Brian was, like, stunned. Like, this dude gave me the fucking money. I was dude. like, holy shit. God, that's, I mean, you don't, you don't see that, uh, especially with, you know, the way things are and, uh, but just the, that's, you can't write that shit. That's, that's amazing. Um, that's a, that's a Stu Stone movie. That is. Oh, with Brian Cage. <laughs> oh man. Um, uh, as we, uh, get ready to kind of wrap up here and, um, uh, you know, Diversion Amusements is obviously the uh, the spot that the uh, show will be going down on Saturday. Um, it could also be ordered um, on Fight TV as well. Um, and it is a 7 o'clock start time here in Vegas, so uh, 10 o'clock uh, on the East Coast if uh, you guys are looking for it on Fight TV. 
uh, when you go into these big shows uh, and you're obviously now in, uh, I think, the uh, third show with uh, running Diver Diversion Amusements, um, how has that relationship uh, now kind of started to grow since uh, the first time that you guys ran with them early on in the summer? Well, it's weird. You know, the first time we ended up doing it, uh, Randy, who was running things, was a big wrestling fan. He helped out. He did security at Nitro Grill. So he loved the idea of doing the wrestling. You know, others, eh, not so much. And, you know, for what reason, I still don't understand it. We run a professional show. We don't ever have any issues. We bring a good crowd to, to the event. You know, we sell, you know, a lot of liquor and food and drinks. And now we did the first show. And three weeks before the second show, you know, I get a call from a lady. And it's like, uh, where's Randy? And it's like, oh, you know, he's doing uh, some work for the owner in his other business. You know, he owns another business. Okay. So I talked to Randy and... You know, he didn't seem very excited about not being a part of it or whatever. And we talked to the ladies, uh, Liz and Susan, and, you know, both very, very nice. You know, they cut us a deal. Wasn't as good a deal as Randy's, of course. But, you know, I get it. You know, for what other people were trying to charge, it was still a very good deal. So we went in there. We did our thing. We had some minor issues, you know, closing. You know, we have a food and beverage guarantee. Yet somehow an hour before the show, the bar manager's shutting the food off. Yeah. Like, we hit our number an hour before the show, so there should be no complaints. But when you say our numbers weren't that great, well, if we sold X amount of dollars in an hour and a half, we probably would have sold just as much in another hour. So if the whole idea is, well, you need to make money, why are you shutting anything down? Right. Because... You didn't shut it down because you ran out of all the food. So now what happened? You cooked that food, you had it prepared, and now you got to throw it out and not sell it. You know, I, I was actually looking for a sandwich, and the lady ended up getting it for me, which was cool because they don't want to give us freebies. But she's like, oh, I'll get you a sausage sandwich, which I like their sausage sandwiches. And they have a really good food menu, you know. And they got snacks, and they got – you know, drinks, and they got whatever you need. Your popcorn, the pretzels, the sausage sandwich, the tenders. You know, they have a nice little, you know, to-go takeout type menu yep. that, you know, people go there, and that's the reason why people want to go out. They want to drink. They want to eat. They want to watch wrestling and have a good time. And, you know, unfortunately, that's the reason why, we do good at the school, but we don't do great at the school because a lot of people use that night as a night out. Yeah. Going to school, you have to be, and we, and thankfully we have a lot of those hardcore fans and they kind of make almost every show we got. But when we do a big show, you know, again, we're, you know, we're already sold out a front row, you know, there's 80 seats. You know, there's yeah. less of the school shows than in a lot of cases we don't sell it out because there's a lot of other things going on. And that's a show that people feel they can miss. But if you're a wrestling fan and you love FSW, 
unless something major is going on, you're not missing no escape. You're not missing the Mecca. Yeah. You know, so, you know, we're going to look, you know, Diversion is a very good mid-sized facility for us. But if we're going to do a Mecca show, I think with the names we're bringing in, we could do more than their capacity. Yeah. So, you know, we're always looking anyway, just to have like another option, you know, especially like on different sides of town, you know, because a lot of, not everybody drives, you know, not everybody wants to take a bus. Not everybody's going to Uber. So we liked it when we had Samstown in the middle of the, uh, of town. And then we had Silverton on the far South side of town. And I would always hear from people. Oh, I love when you do shows in Silverton because I can't go to Samstown. It's too far. Oh, I love it when you do it in Samstown. It's easier to get to because, uh, you know, I can't get to the Silverton. Cause you got to take four buses. What the fuck? Yeah. You know, you get three hours back and forth to go see a three hour show. So now it's become a 10 hour day. So, and having that ability to do that keeps things fresh. You know what I mean? And it's like, you know, it's unfortunate. New people took over the Silverton, didn't let us do stuff. Samstown's pretty much against running entertainment. You know, the guy, I saw the one guy that we knew uh, at Samstown this weekend. We had met him once. He he was the main guy at the Northside Cannery when we did Mecca 2. Okay. And, and uh, Bob and, like, one other tech guy were the only two people out of probably 20 that we dealt with at Samstown over the years. And, you know, I asked him what's up, and he says, you know, honestly, the casinos are doing very well, and – they don't need to spend money on entertainment because entertainment wasn't a big moneymaker for them. So now they can make even more money because now instead of having 15 people on salary for the entertainment division, they have one. So they weren't making that much as it is. Now the whole bottom line is cut because they have nobody there. And then when impact needs to come in, they're like, okay, well, I know you paid this, but this is what it is now. And they need a facility and they need a place. So they have deep enough pockets to go out there and spend that money. So unless Samstown is going to make a lot of money yeah. on the show, they're no longer concerned with how many people we're bringing through the door. Yeah. You know, the first night at Impact, I don't, you know, whether, you know, who was seat fillers, vet techs, people purchasing tickets, there was not an empty seat in the house. You know, so don't tell me there's 500 people there and 50 or 60 aren't going to spend 20, 50, $100 that would have never done that in your casino. Yeah. And the and the place is paying you. It was like they didn't give us the room for free anymore. So we're paying you. So we're covering all your costs. But you like they like to use the word four wall. Well, it's a four wall. Well, yeah, it's easy to say it's a four wall because then you give us no credit for what we've provided to, to your business because yeah. it isn't a four wall. You know, even I saw it impact the other night. Oh, after party at TGIFs. Nobody's giving them free food at TGIFs. They got to pay for it. But impacts front in the bill. So there's 100 people probably there that if they spent 20 bucks, which is simple, you get one meal at, at TGIFs. Right. You know. So you got a few grand just made from that that they would have never made on a Monday night yeah. at 10 p.m. You yeah. know, and same thing when we'd run shows on a Sunday. You'd go in there, 
at, you know, when they would run the Samstown, the WWE pay-per-views, and, and TJF was empty. Go to an FSW show, and after the show, 25 wrestlers are in there. Yeah. Spending 20, 40, 60, 100 bucks. But, you know, for some reason, you know, they'd rather have, you know, I always laughed about it at the Silverton. They'd rather have Juice Newton pay her like 20 grand to show up and do 500 seat fillers because they wanted those people to be in the building because nobody bought a ticket to hear one song. Right. The train, by the way, or working, yeah, the, yeah. take not Sheen Easton, whatever. <laughs> Juice Newton had like one big song. Queen of Hearts, there it is. Queen of Hearts, yeah. Hearts, yeah. There you go. And you're okay with paying her X amount of dollars and using seat fillers, but you're not okay with we just take the door and you still get the same 500 people. Isn't it cheaper? You know, but who knows? I digress. Yeah, it's uh, it's something that's – it makes no sense, but, you know – all you can do is continue to look around and hopefully something will get done for the Mecca. Um, as we, uh, wrap up here, obviously it's, uh, Thanksgiving, uh, what will be tomorrow, uh, Thursday, if you're, if you're listening to this on Wednesday, um, Joe, what for you, uh, thinking back to, uh, the childhood, what was Thanksgiving like at your guy's house? Well, Thanksgiving was definitely a feast every year. We always celebrated it, you know, being a football fan. I was, you know, to this day, you know, I'm watching those football games, you know. I'm up 930 in the morning to watch that first shitty Detroit Lion game, you know, that's going to be on. You know, recent years, they've added that 7 o'clock game or 8 o'clock game, which is 5 on the West Coast which is hard to stay up because after eating, you know, turkey stuff, you want to go take a nap. Yeah. But, you know, I always loved Thanksgiving, you know. I, You know, my thing was, you know, I didn't cook the dinner, but I always made the sweet potato pie. You know, that was that, – that that's a classic, you know. That's the only thing we need left to get. You know, we got the marshmallows, we got the syrup, we got the cinnamon. I just got to get the uh, sweet potatoes or the yams yeah. because I hate Trader Joe's ones because they're like this big – and cook and peel like 40 of them yeah you know i'd rather just get like four big ones and they peel much easier and you're done so you know we're cutting down a little bit you know on the dinner but you know turkey mashed potatoes uh biscuits uh cream corn not doing the cream spinach this year oh you know it's just way too much food yeah yeah. Uh, did you guys, when you were a kid, uh, did you guys have any incorporation of either uh, the Italian or Puerto Rican foods? No, it was always turkey. Traditional. That, that That's during Christmas. So Christmas Eve, uh, usually we do uh, stuffed shells, which is the Italian mm. style. And then Sunday, we have a pork butt, which is called the benil mm. in, in Puerto Rican terms. You know, you basically cut holes in the thing and you put like whole garlic cloves. Oh. So it's a garlicky thing. And there's a Spanish style rice and there's the, you know, the, the fried bananas, which are a little different, the plantanos and things like that. So, 
Yeah, I just found out another cool dude I know. Turns out he's half Puerto Rican. Raj from uh, from the the Desi Hit Squad. Who would have thought? Like, wow. He, he, doubt is one of the nicest guys I've met. You know, I I talked to him almost never. He was on my Facebook page, I guess. And after I had my heart surgery. You know, he came up to me. Hey, Joe, how you feeling? You know, you doing okay? Blah, 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 blah. And, you know, so we've kept in touch. It's like always been a super nice guy. And then uh, I didn't think he was back because I knew he had told me his knee blew out. I hadn't seen him, whatever. And I love his dad. His dad, yeah. great, Mike, you know. And we've always joked about bringing the dad in. Yeah, we'll use you, but as long as the dad comes, you know what I'm saying? And... All of a sudden, I see this guy. I look in the corner of my eye, and I see a guy that looked like him, but he had a, a jersey that said Puerto Rico. And I looked over, and it was Raj. I'm like, dude, you're Puerto Rican? He goes, oh, I'm half. I'm like, oh, okay, because I didn't think the dad was Puerto Rican. you know. And then we started talking. But again, the first time he seen me, hey, how you doing? Sorry about your mom. Blah, blah, blah. Like, this guy is, like, genuinely one of the nicest people. Like, I always yep. have those guys that I say, the nicest people, Lance Hoyt, nicest people, Matt Hardy, what a nice guy. When I'm talking about superstars, I know Cage, I know Cross, but I'm talking about guys that you met through the business. And Raj legitimately is, like, one of the top five nicest people I have ever met, period. Not even, like, just wrestling people. Like, yeah. he is the nicest. Yeah, so. I, I 100%. Um, Raj has been one of our biggest, uh, you know, supporters, followers, um, and um, still trying to uh, hook up the interview with Raj because, uh, well, you know, you got to go through channels to do the interviews uh, with, you know, companies, and Raj really does want to do the interview, but, you know, there's there's going to be the time and a place apparently uh, down the road. So well, I guess, I guess if you do it on the Defalco files, I can call Ross or Scott, and I'm pretty sure it'll get okay. Because I actually hit up Ross, and then I forgot to remind him so much was going on. Uh, the the radio show I do Sunday mornings on KDWN 7:20 a.m. Uh, we actually had Booker T on the week before, and I'd hit Ross up. I'm like, hey, you able to get me a guest or something? And he said, yeah, just remind me. And then I didn't remind him. So, you know, that, that, that's on me. But, you know, especially when they're in town, you know, anything to promote their brand, you know, I'm pretty sure they're okay with. Oh, absolutely. You know, it, was, it was great catching up, you know. Moose, my goodness. How, how much of a superstar does he look like now? You know, he was always a really talented guy, but he was just – another one of the, you know, guys, he was in the top level, but now he presents himself as the real deal. Like, yeah. like I'm so glad for him and nothing against Josh Alexander, but Moose has put in that time and effort that it was like, wow, they're pushing this Josh Alexander, man. I can't believe it. They just bypassed Moose. He resigned. And then, uh, you know, you don't say it a lot of times about impact, but it was pretty brilliant. He beat up Josh in front of his family you know, it was a hot angle, you know, uh, big cast Morrissey, man. He, he's, he's looking fantastic. Cardona, you yeah. know, you know, they really have 
you know, some good talent. A lot of these guys have, like, you know, reinvented themselves. It's always fun talking to Rich Swan. You know, he's always the happiest, you know, he's he's the Walt Disney of, uh, of Impact, the happiest man in the world. You know what I mean? And, you know, Willie's Willie. And that team, boy, it's like, that might be a Mecca team right there, bringing in Willie Mack and Swan. Yeah. You know, to wrestle a death proof, well, or a Toko Uso or, or something like that. You know what I mean? It's like made, made as many, you know, connections as I could. We got Trey Miguel coming out, you know, uh, for Limitless. Uh, we wanted to lock him in because, unfortunately, Chris Bay ended up being booked somewhere else, which is funny because he's booked at a company called Limitless. I'm like, dude, I think you made a mistake. Uh, you didn't. You booked yourself at Limitless Wrestling, not in the Limitless Tournament. So, <laughs> glad to give him a little heat for that. Yeah, shout out to Impact Wrestling. This weekend was really just spectacularly uh, fun. Uh, really good shows. Um, shout out to Ross Foreman uh, for... Uh, we had Eddie Edwards on our show. Uh, I know Moose and Eddie also did Thoughts Count Anywhere's podcast. Um, so, you know, it's definitely... Yeah, Moose did the signing with Scott Hosey. With Scott, yeah. So, you know... Yeah, we're, we're working on a few with them. You know, hopefully for Mecca, whether it's Davey Richards, Jay Lethal, we're working on. Really hoping to solidify that one. I had to send him another message like, dude, we'd love to be able to announce it at the No Escape. Because we got a couple other announcements, I think that people are going to be interested in hearing. You know, you know, might want to leak it out. I heard a rumor, you know, that somebody big may return FSW. You know, but Ev- you can't confirm or deny. Evan Daniels. You let the cat Damn. out of the bag. Damn. Man, we were trying to keep it a surprise. Oh man, oh, I'm so sorry. I'm so sorry. I just I'm so excited about his return. Thanks, thank, thanks a lot, man. The Mecca main event, Jody. Now, and... now nobody's going to come to the show to hear the announcement because you gave it away. <laughs> Jody, Jody, uh, Jody versus Evan Daniels, Mecca main event. <laughs> Get your tickets now. Uh, where's that going to be at? <laughs> probably, uh, <laughs> probably, probably, uh, probably elsewhere. Yeah, uh, probably a, a, a rec hall in uh, Northern Vegas. <laughs> oh man! Well, it's been fun, Joe. Uh, happy Thanksgiving. Uh, you know, enjoy the uh, the time with the family. Enjoy the football uh, and the food. Um, and uh, everyone, please. Um, you know, remember you can sign up for the FSW network, six ninety nine a month. Uh, Fight TV, if you're not in Vegas and can't, or you can't make it out to the show on uh, the twenty seventh, um, it's no escape. Seven p.m. start on the West Coast. Uh, get your tickets. Uh, you know the the tickets are still available, but um, usually not front row. Yeah, front rows out. So usually it's a good idea to. Uh, you know, get uh, some seats there because, you know, seating is, even though it's a medium-sized place, seating is limited. So to get yourself a seat, um, I would say get a ticket earlier uh, than later. And um, it's going to be a big card. Again, um, thank you so much to Brian Cage 
and uh, AEW for allowing Brian to do uh, a little bit of an interview here. Um, and it's going to be really just so much fun to see him back in an FSW ring as well. Um, Joe, any final you know, thoughts? It's great to, you know, it's great to see a guy that, you know, uh, started with us. We made a star and now he comes back. You know what I mean? It's really nice making stars. It, you know, it is, it is. And, uh, uh, the, I guess the next one you got to work on is, uh, LA Knight. You got to get, uh, Ricker, uh, Ricker back out here. Yeah. Well, you know, that WWE thing. So, you know, but keep your eyes pierced. you never know, uh, you know, two members of the Mecca Grand Tournament, John Morrison and Shane Strickland, are now available by February 4th. They may be on the Mecca. Maybe John Morrison doesn't have to give up the Mecca Grand Championship at this point. <laughs> yeah. And, uh, oh, Taya. We can, you can get Taya back for, uh, uh, try to get her there title back. Yeah. 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 WWE's They're losses. Yeah, WWE's losses. Joe DeFalco's hey, Brian Cage versus Brian Cage versus Keith Lee. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> oh, but man. I wouldn't want to use Keith Lee. I would use Bearcat Lee instead. Well, see, that's the thing. If you use Bearcat, you know, then Vince is going to get the money from you. He's going to sue your ass. So yeah, because yeah, that gimmick was probably one of the most recognizable and most memorable gimmicks in wwe history and boy if you infringe on the bearcat trademark watch out man i'll tell you what whatever you paid for the trademark for that name boy what a way you know there's gonna be it's gonna be uh bearcat fatu that's gonna be his new name when he comes up to the roster yeah yeah you know that they're just gonna give someone that because they gotta get that money they, they already Justified. own it you know it cost yeah. them a thousand dollars they're like shit we used it Oh man! All right. well, I gotta make some calls and get things moving and shaking. Never, never a dull day. There we go. All right, everyone. Thank you for tuning in, and we'll see you guys next time. Yeah.